and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last time. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl, but I'm a Scranton girl. As regular listeners know, before the May primary, we sat down with the candidates running for Allegheny County Executive, including the now Democratic nominee, Sarah Inamorato. I encourage you to tune into those old episodes to hear diverse perspectives on Pennsylvania's second largest county. Now, a lot has happened over the summer and in recent years in Pittsburgh and Allegheny County politics. So today, we're sitting down with Rachel Heisler to discuss her race for City Controller of Pittsburgh. She knows the city budget inside and out. She knows the city's neighborhoods inside and out. And has not only seen the city and its politics change over the last 15 years, she's also been an active part of it. Rachel Eisler, welcome to my kitchen table. Thanks, Ari. It's nice to be here with you. It is, because I remember when we first met and you were a student at UPIT and so much has changed uh, since then. So you are now uh, working on being an elected official, uh, which is incredible, all before uh, your 40th birthday. So congratulations. Tell folks a little about your background. Thank you. So yeah, Ari and I met in 2005, 18 years ago. I was I started my career as an intern on Bob Casey's first Senate race and graduated from the University of Pittsburgh and joined the staff of Congressman Jason Altmaier. Spent six years working for him um, at the conclusion of his time in office at the end of 2012, beginning of 2013. We were on the first fiscal cliff, which led to the sequester. Um, I was living and working in Washington on the Hill. And I, I became infatuated with the federal budget because that just seemed like a ridiculous way to run, run, run a country. And I didn't know much about it. And I guess because I'm a nerd, I when I left left the Hill and left Congressman Altmaier's office, I applied for a job at the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. And at that time, it was really focused on the 2010 National Commission on Fiscal Responsibility and Reform. So the Simpson-Bowles Commission, which unfortunately did not yield any direct public policy changes. But I became really interested and in, in engaged in, in the federal budget process, uh, federal expenditures, federal revenues. And after uh, 2016, I, it became clear that I just, I really wanted to live in Pittsburgh. So I went to my boss and I said, you know, uh, Maya McGinnis, who runs CRFB, I said, can I, can I work remotely? I want to move back to Pittsburgh. I want to keep my job. I love what I'm doing. And I did that. I did that for, for three and a half more years um, after I moved back to Pittsburgh. And at mid 2020, um, I was finishing my master's degree, which had ended up being completely online. I got an MPA from Penn State because of the pan and the online component was because of the pandemic. And uh, there was a vacancy in the city controller's office and and, uh, city controller Michael Lamb. I knew, you know, socially, we both run in democratic political circles, but I didn't know him well. So I, I, reached out, I sat down and interviewed with him. And um, he offered me the position of deputy city controller. And I started in January 2021 as as the deputy city controller in, in the city controller's office. So it's been an interesting career, but this is where my heart is. I love I love good government work. I love understanding and explaining how, how the government collects and, and spends spends money. And, you know, that led me to led me to run for office and run for the city controller's office this spring. 
Well, it has been a whirlwind uh, for you prof personally and professionally uh, since 2005. It is crazy to think that that's 18 years. Uh, sometimes it feels like yeah. you know, decades longer. Sometimes it feels like yesterday. I think we've had a lot of firsts with this podcast. I've never heard the term infatuated with the federal budget, but there probably could and should be a podcast about every wrinkle of the federal <laughs> budget. We're, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Pittsburgh's finances. Uh, a lot has happened in recent years in the city uh, before the pandemic certainly since the pandemic. Give folks a sense. I mean, you you from from going to school there, not not growing up there, just yeah. recent years, you know, trends uh, in the city. I think shame on them, but there might be listeners who think of Pittsburgh as just, you know, pollution and rivers on fire and what have you. Yeah, so I moved to Pittsburgh 20 years ago uh, to attend the University of Pittsburgh in, in August of 2003. I'm, I'm a Pittsburgher by choice, not by birth. I grew up in central Pennsylvania. My mom has deep roots in, in Western PA, and I always knew I wanted to live here. And in December of 2003 is when we went into Act 47. And I have very vivid memories. I came down, I remember coming downtown that fall with my student ID, free Port Authority transportation, and stores were closing. Um, I remember Lord and Taylor closed, Lazarus was downtown, that closed. And I just, I remember I was, I was not, I went to school to be a Spanish teacher and I was not heavily engaged in the local political scene at that point. And I just remember feeling like, like Pittsburgh was changing in front of me. And, you know, you, you could visibly see that. And over the last 20 years, uh, Pittsburgh did go into Act 47, uh, came out about in, uh, the spring of 2018. And that was through three mayors, uh, you know, Mayor Murphy, Mayor Ravenstall, four mayors, Mayor O'Connor, Mayor Ravenstall, and then Mayor Peduto. And what Act 47 does is it, it basically puts the state in, I don't say charge, but the state becomes the guardian of city city finances and decisions are effectively approved by the commonwealth so it allowed pittsburgh to you know it was painful um we laid off a huge chunk of our city workforce we closed fire stations it was not a pleasant experience but city the city came back came together and and you know our con local economy changed i mean there's been a ton of private investment in Western Pennsylvania in the last 20 years. We've seen our workforce change and grow. We are a heavily eds and meds economy, but there's a lot of natural natural resources here that, you know, supports the sort of the collar counties outside of Allegheny County and things, you know, and, and that that 20 year period, the 20 year period since 2003, things have you know, really improved. The pandemic has been very, very difficult for municipalities across the country. You know, in particular, our parking tax, which is, you know, was before the pandemic, several uh, tens of millions of dollars a year, along with our amusement tax, um, were hit the hardest. And the ARPA money that we got, the city received $335 million. The first tranche was in 2021, the second tranche was in 2022. And the city, you know, has used that to come out of the pandemic, prioritize affordable housing measures, make sure that the general fund was was balanced, but there's going to be pain with that too. We are going to have a thirty five million dollar drop in revenue in 2025 because ARPA money runs out. And again, this is not a, a Pittsburgh thing. Um, most municipalities are going to have some pain when that ARPA money runs out because you know we've been using it to I don't want to say cushion our budget, but we've been using it to offset offset loss, loss in revenue, but to perhaps prioritize or try new spending. And, you know, that that's going to end. So it, the city's going to, and we also, it, coincidentally, at the end of 2025, we owe our last bond payment in 1998 uh, for 1998 
1998 bond, we had to issue for pension debt. So we have two things hitting us at once in 2025, which will create an interesting fiscal situation. And yet you want to be the city controller in 2025. I, I, I want to get to uh, when that light bulb went off and when you decided to, to make the plunge to have your name on the ballot. But just remind listeners um, how big is the budget? Uh, you've alluded to this. And then what is the largest uh, line item expenditure in the budget? In 2024, the city's going to collect more than $700 million in revenue, and we'll spend a little bit less than that. We'll have a a surplus next year, but that will flip in 2025. The largest expenditures are, is public safety. You know, we, the city spends a lot in, in, in keeping people safe. That's the number one priority when you talk to Republicans, Democrats, white Pittsburghers, black Pittsburghers, brown Pittsburghers, is people want to feel safe in their homes. And that includes, you know, EMS, fire, police, and that's that's where the city spends a bulk of its money. Um, and the other the other biggest expenditure is the Department of Public Works. So public safety and public works are the biggest expenditures in city government. About we spend between 100 around 150 million a year on capital expenditures. So that's investments and things that last for more than a year. So buildings, vehicles, transfers to the URA if that happens. So that's that's in addition to the operating budget. So capital and operating are separate. Thank you for uh, for that overview. And I think listeners are seeing why you're going to be an excellent controller. Uh, just remind listeners what URA stands for. Urban Redevelopment Authority. I apologize. Urban Redevelopment Authority. And there's definitely a lot of urban land that's been redeveloped in recent years in, in Pittsburgh um, and elsewhere in the county. Uh, so at what point did you say, OK, I mean, qu- clearly two decades plus ago, you were political. But at what point? It's a big jump. Uh, you said, I want to put my name on the ballot. I want to collect the signatures. So... I'll, first, I'm going to go back to what the city controller does. In the in the city of Pittsburgh, the city controller pays the city's bills. Where we have the accounts payable function, audits city spending. So we have two auditing sections: the fiscal audit section, which evaluates sort of like the checkbook function, and then performance auditing, which evaluates economy efficiency and scale of city priorities, programming, and spending. And then we're the city's accountant. So we are the financial record keeper for the city of Pittsburgh. And about a year and a year, year and a half ago, city controller Lamb, my boss, who I'm very privileged and honored to work for, uh, told me that he was not going to run for re-election. And I spent a few months actually talking to people in city government who I thought would make good city controllers. I I, I wanted to keep my job. I, I love being deputy. I, my, my job right now is to sort of manage the daily operation of the office. And through those conversations, it became clear um, to me that... I would be, you know, and I would make a good city controller and that this would could be a role that I could pursue on my own. And so I I went I went back to Michael um at the end of last summer and I said, I actually think I'm I'm interested in running. And he, my controller Lamb has been very supportive of me for the last, you know, since he hired me, of course, but um with my political um aspirations as well. And it has just, it, it was a wonderful, running for office has been a wonderfully humbling experience. I, you know, I threw my hat in the ring and and have been very fortunate to have been well-received between committee people and the labor movement and uh, business leaders, civic and community leaders. It's just, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I, I cannot overstate how much most for the most part, how much fun I had, you know, in the primary, the general election is going to be a little bit different because I don't have a Republican opponent. So I'll be supporting the rest of the Democratic ticket in Allegheny County. Um, most of our city races do not have Republican opponents. So I will be focused on, on the Democratic ticket. And but, I encourage listeners but, that 
seems like more than a year ago, but uh, in the springtime, uh, we sat down with, with each of the candidates running for county executive, including Controller Lamb, and talked about some of the themes that Rachel has uh, today. What do, you, what do you get the sense as you're out there supporting the broader ticket? What's on the mind uh, of voters in the city of Pittsburgh, or does it vary neighborhood to neighborhood? In my experience, it varies neighborhood to neighborhood. People often just People want to talk, tend to want to talk to me about fiscal issues and the city's fiscal health. But an overarching theme is housing and just affordable housing and in Pittsburgh generally. I think, you know, the more broad, there are a lot of issues relating to the unhoused populations. And again, that is not just Pittsburgh. That's happening in municipalities across the country. And I would assume across the world. I've really been focused on, you know, looking what, uh, at what other cities are doing in the United States. Um, but we have a, a large population of people who do not have adequate housing. And it's, you know, they're unfortunately living on the streets. Um, there are a lot of issues with with drug abuse and cleanliness, Pittsburgh just uh, just launched its Pittsburgh Potty, um, which is opening down. They're going to have downtown that's available 16 hours a day to people who don't have other access to bathroom facilities. But those are two, the two primary issues: is is the you know folks who are unhoused entirely, and then generally affordable housing. And that affordable housing is not you know something that only matters to people who are lower income. I mean, I couldn't afford to buy my house today. I live in the north side and my house, the value of my home, which is wonderful, but there's no for you know, I, I can't sell it because I wouldn't be able to live here. So making sure that we're doing things that make house ownership affordable um, and available to everybody, because, you know, we all know on a sort of macro level that if someone can buy a home, that's a financial asset and that's gener- that builds generational wealth. So in addition to, you know, having a roof over your head, there are long-term generational benefits to making sure that people can buy and stay in their homes. Well, maybe maybe you're alluding to it, uh, Rachel, but what is your vision then for the next four years? Uh, and to what extent does the controller play a role uh, in setting these kind of initiatives and policies? Well, so the city controller's office is not a policymaking office. We, our audits make recommendations that are not binding. I, my hope is, you know, in the immediate term, in the next four years, that the city weathers this 2025 storm that we're going to have be, between the that last 1998 bond payment and the end of COVID, end of COVID money, excuse me. That is my, my biggest priority, uh, making sure the city can continue to pay its bills, honor our commitment to workers and retirees. I think we need to see more engagement from our largest employers. Our, the largest employers in Western in Western Pennsylvania, and in particular in the city of Pittsburgh, are non are are nonprofit entities. We need to see them participate and contribute to the direct operation of city government. They usually that usually occurs in the form of a pilot payment, which stands for payment in lieu of taxes. Other cities in in, the, in in Pennsylvania have those with these employers. Um, Pittsburgh does not, and has has not seemed appeared to have pursued those those agreements and those relationships, those pilot payments. Um, and I think that absolutely needs to change. Um, that would make 2025 a lot less painful if we were able to have that long-term year after year uh, relationship with our largest employers that they were contributing to the direct operation city government. But like I, that, that has not been something that we've pursued in earnest since, I don't know, 2009, 2010. And I think that that absolutely needs to change. And I think people are more aware of city spending now than they were. A lot of that goes to Controller Lamb um, for creating fiscal focus and open book. And city residents want to make sure that city funds are being spent as they were intended to be spent. And that's a priority for me, making sure that people continue to have trust and faith in their local government. I see this as a really 
the city controller is a really powerful role because, you know, you often will hear people complain about government. But if we can control, if we can change their, their opinion of local government, you will change how they view government generally and the trust that they have in the system. And I, I think that's an awesome responsibility that the city controller has. And it's something I'm, I'm very focused on pursuing. Okay. Well, you're going to be a free woman shortly. You've been very generous with your time. You can focus on the campaign and uh, your day job uh, momentarily, but two questions. You want to venture a guess of what uh, percentage turnout is going to be this November? I, Allegheny County, I want to give, our, give I'm a, also a ward chairwoman. Um, we have done an incredible job and that's thanks to leadership. We have a, a new party chair in Sam Hens Greco and Morgan Overton um, as a vice chair. And then the city has a as a new um, chairwoman in Leanne Younger, Reverend Leanne Younger, excuse me. And we have done our part and Allegheny County continues to outpace Philadelphia County in voter turnout. So statewide, I'm not going to guess, but I'm going to hope that Philadelphia County is on our tail and that, you know, we have turnout parity as a percentage because, you know, we really need our statewide judges, our statewide Democratic candidates for judicial judicial spots to be successful in November. Okay. So then a corollary to that, there may or may not be a new district attorney. There's going to be a new county executive. There's uh, going to be a new city controller. And what, you know, there's, there's voter registration happening. There's all sorts of democratic organizing happening. What does all this mean for next year? You know, what, what, what is your sense going into next year? You alluded to this with some of the yeah. members, but. So I'll say this about Allegheny County. We have a coordinated campaign happening right now in Allegheny County. So the things you see in even numbered years in Pennsylvania with the coordinated campaign, which is the state party, the campaigns that are paying into it. We have that this year in Allegheny County. And that was my number one question at the the last Democratic committee meeting I was at is, can we preserve this for 2024? Um, I think it's absolutely essential. I, the president needs to win Pennsylvania next year. Bob Casey needs to be reelected to the United States Senate. And we need to retain our uh, U.S. House majority, Pennsylvania, our U.S. House um, Democrats in Pennsylvania. And we also have a very, very, very narrow majority in the Pennsylvania State House. And those majorities need to be maintained. And I do believe and see it on the ground now that Allegheny County intends to start that process. You know, this start we started it this summer in August and continue it through November and into next year. And I'm hopeful that our candidates will will participate in, in this organization because it, it, it's working. We continue to see record turnout in Allegheny County. Democrats continue to show up in the city. We're slowly winning these suburbs. I anecdotally, I worked in the North Hills of Pittsburgh when I worked for Congressman Altmaier for six years. And last summer, I met with Arvin Venkett, who's now Dr. Arvin Venkett, who's a state um, now a state house member. And his campaign staff said, "Did you ever think there would be a competitive house state house race in this district?" And I said, "Absolutely not." And Arvin won. And to his credit, he had a great staff. And Arvin hit the doors. I mean, I hit a thousand doors for Arvin myself. And there is momentum in the suburbs. And there are people who are concerned about choice. There are people who are concerned about gun safety. And this really plays into the the suburbs of, of Allegheny County. We have to do a better job in our more rural counties in Western Pennsylvania. Um, as you know, we have lost almost all of our courthouses, you know, in terms of row offices and Beaver, Washington, Westmoreland, uh, Lawrence, 
uh, mayor of Newcastle is a Republican. So we need to do a better job as a party, you know, building coalitions and identifying candidates, Democratic candidates who can win in those communities. But in the suburbs, our our countywide effort, I, I think, is it's remarkable how how engaged we are right now as a as a party, how organized things are. We have, you know, everybody's data is going into one one system. Forgive me for not understanding that. Um, I can commit my data, but I don't know how how it all works together. But I've just I've been really impressed, and I am grateful to the party organizers who have made it easy for candidates to connect with voters and talk with them because I think that made a difference in my race. We. We hit 9,200 doors um, within the city of Pittsburgh during the primary. I hit 4,100 on my own. And that's that's what changes elections is when you talk to people. So I'm hopeful for 2024, especially in Allegheny County, that we can keep that momentum going. Well, future city controller, Rachel Heisler, thank you so much. Um, would encourage listeners, if they do want to get granular about what's happening in the North Hills, had a great conversation with Dr. Van Katz, uh, first campaign manager, Ben Forstate. Um, and I think a lot of those themes are evergreen, it sounds like, uh, as we're going into this fall. Um, so, Rachel, thanks so much. Thanks, Ari. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. Take a minute and leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform. Please also consider following us on social media for updates and announcements regarding future episodes and new guests. You're political, so I am sure that you're on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. We are too at PA Political Podcast. Visit our website, papoliticalpodcast.org, and send us your feedback about this episode and suggestions on future guests. Until next week. Thank you.